welcome to the SDC podcast. Uh, we are going live. Hopefully, everything is going on time. Do some re- page refreshing. Uh, today, we will be talking about PTSD, PTSI, uh, and how to cope with it. Uh, I mean, pretty timely uh, issue to be talking about. Merry Christmas. We're uh, entering into the Christmas week. And, well, I guess you guys are the ones that are experts on this. Uh, We're just going to see how long it took you to keep on that introduction. I could have kept going. He was bailing out early. (laughs) (laughs) He pulled the reserve chute, folks. Right. (laughs) Forgot to attach the main line. But uh, good good, good on you for jumping out the door. I promise you that. But, uh, you know, Dusty and I have been talking this week, and uh, we felt kind of obligated to help. We're not the only ones. Uh, I hope it's not somber on here, but uh, I know Dusty and I have kind of had some mixed feelings about the holidays and this week, and we felt it was important to uh, discuss how to cope with the holidays. Um, and many of us have many reasons to not enjoy them, whether it be childhood trauma, uh, family drama, uh, or just plain missing the action. Um, what what say you, Dusty? What say you? What do you say? Um, yeah, it's pretty much. Uh, it's like what we were talking about is just you know we call some people call them facing your demons, working uh, <clears throat> with the demons and. And uh, battling them, but it seems like around the holidays, those quote-unquote demons have reinforcements. Uh, because everything is so happy and, and and cheerful, and all we can tend to think about is what's not. Um, mm-hmm. And, no, it's been a rough week uh, in, in my line of work. It's always rough. Um, with social work and and working in foster care seems like everything is blows up around Christmas time so you've got that added stress um, the added stress of did my wife buy the right presents for the kids um, I mean I'll be honest I, I'm as surprised as the kids are when they open the presents from me you know I think uh, my, my own kid sent me a meme this week it was just like that and it, and it was a little cartoon of where the dad was just as excited as the kids <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's why they can ask me all day long, what did you get me? Well, I'm not saying because I have well, no well, idea. No. We'll find out together. <laughs> um, it's part but, of the uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> the And it's just the knowing who's not here. Um, and it doesn't matter if you've had childhood stress. It doesn't matter. Or childhood trauma. If it doesn't matter if you've had deployments doesn't matter if you're first responder even um if you've lost anybody that you've been close to holidays are rough um you know i've been i was came back from iraq in 2009 uh 11 years yeah it's still every christmas i think you know what what would so-and-so have been doing um which marriage would so-and-so have been on by now? Um, and it's it's one of those things where it, it's tough. And then losing people as time goes on. I mean, you know, we've talked about suicide on here, and that is 
you know, a topic that people don't want to talk about, but that is reality. And when you deal with any type of trauma is it, it makes the happy times, not very happy. Um, and especially deal. And I heard, a, a was listening to a podcast today and they were talking about the suicide rate in, in America was its highest at 23 people per, I think, 100,000 or something like that during the Great Depression. Hmm. Um, and currently, right now, those numbers are starting to climb because of the COVID, the shutdown, the uncertainties, the, you know, what are we going to do next? I know here in Michigan, you know, we've to the government's mandates and, you know, not saying anything political, but just stating the fact, you know, a lot of people don't know if they're going back to work after the first year. What are we going to do with kids in school? What are we going to do? And those questions are building up. So they're trying to force themselves to have a great time for the family when inside it's this constant struggle that we're dealing Mm -hmm. with. And, you know, that creates stress in and of itself without the stress of, okay, how am I going to provide for my family? Are we going to have a Christmas dinner? Um, I've talked to plenty that have, you know, that certain organizations have been helping out and they're like, if it wasn't for this, I don't know what I would do. Right. You know, and it's, it is, uh, it seems like every day I, I hear of another local business that's mm-hmm. going out, um, mm-hmm. out of business, um, or at least shutting down until these mandates go off or come off. And I, I read a statistic that 32% of Michigan's small owned businesses have closed. And I can't imagine owning one of those businesses. And I, I believe we talked about it on here before about one of the greatest things that veterans um, have done have become entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just curious now when you start combining the holiday blues, if you will, uh, you know, the grief that we endure from, you know, losing loved ones or remembering loved ones and friends during the holidays and, you know, even even on a good year, uh, finances are always a struggle around the holidays because we, a lot of times, we don't know when to shut it off or how much is too much for the kids or um, things like that. And um, you know, it it is a lot of uncertainty, uh, a lot of stressful time, and uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, "Well, just you know, it doesn't do any good to worry about it. Just forget about it." And I'll be the if first one to admit. If it were that easy, there'd can't. be a lot. Yeah. I'd, I'd have amnesia real quick. <laughs> I wish. I wish. I'd wake you know. up. Kids would walk in. Who the heck are you? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. You oh. know, and I just, uh, <clears throat> it is a troubling time. And, and I think one of, the, one of the worst parts about holiday grief or holiday blues is the fact that you know it's supposed to be a happy time. But here you are kind of slumming along as a grump trying to be happy for everyone else. Or not not trying to. I mean, it's just a lot of times you've gone through, you know, as veterans, first responders, I'm sure, uh, you're going through the call after call, the, the trauma, the memories that you're just, why try? Um I've been reading a, a new book now that my master's is done. Today is actually the official day that I end. 
and I've got uh, congratulations. I've got about four hours before my class officially ends. Um, everything's been turned in, but so I've been reading a book, Once a Warrior, Always a Warrior. Um, the author is a retired Colonel Charles Hodge. He was in the army. No, I don't know who he is. Um, and wait, wait, hold on. Are you telling me that not everybody in the army knows everybody else? <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I, there's a few. There's a few that that miss here and there. <laughs> um, but it's like my wife's from Canada. Oh, so you know so and so that lives it? No, 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 no. It's not that small. Uh, but uh, a first sergeant, Mike Schindler. Again, don't know who he is, but. Uh, he says there's no substitute for the experiences of combat and the excitement of a war zone. Yes, excitement of the war zone, excitement of the call for the first responders, excitement of what you're going through. Combat it is an adrenaline-fed, high-speed whirlwind, tiger on the loose, exhausting daily dose of life and death. To think that you won't react, feel, behave, and think differently than before your tour of combat duty or for first responders before you became a first responder is of course incorrect your experiences in combat will forever be a part of you allow those combat experiences and knowledge to become your strength um, easier said than done yes but it what we don't realize is that we want this to go away you know i i want to forget most of what happened over there but the fact is, I do miss the excitement. I do miss that rush of adrenaline. I mean, 36-hour mission, um, you know, you're sleeping in some Iraqi guy's, uh, well, what we would call a garage or a shed. Um, they call a house. And, you know, you've got your guard rotations while you're waiting for the time to, to kick off and you're hiding here before the mission goes. And it's just that constant, okay, what's next? What's next? Yeah. When your pager goes off for the fire department and it's your tones, hey, all right, what do we got? You know, it's like I think you said in one of our other podcasts, you know, oh, it's just a brush fire. Or, hey, it's this is a good one. This is the real one. Let's go. This is because we we miss that feeling of importance. We miss mm -hmm. that mission. And right now, around the holidays, we don't have a mission. My wife's buy like you know, like we were joking around earlier. My wife buys the the gifts, and, and uh, you know, I'm just as surprised as the kids what they're getting. Um, you know, so I don't have a mission to you know. My mission is to buy my wife's gifts, and it's easy. She gives me a list. As long as it's on the list, I'm good. Um, That's one year I went off the list. It didn't go over well. I got her a pink Cabela's pistol handle Starbucks, uh, uh, Cabela's mug and, and chocolate ammunition in the form of 50 caliber rounds. And I, I can't believe you actually did that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I wasn't married for 14 years at that time. Um, <laughs> now, granted, my daughter was about a year old and she ate the full box um <laughs> of chocolate ammunition um yeah but uh yeah you know we we miss having that mission 
we miss having that purpose. Um, and that's why a lot of people, I feel, go from active duty into first responders. Um, mm -hmm. You know, John, this is more your area of expertise, but it, it's like this first sergeant said, you know, allow them to become your strength. And that's kind of what we want to talk about tonight is how do we take what we feel is something that's wrong with us mm -hmm. and turn it into something that we can actually use. Yeah, the uh, I think right now the current statistic that I read this morning was 20%, 19 or 20% of all first responders are veterans. And, you know, I, I can't remember if it was the beginning or the end of, of basic training when our drill instructor sat everybody down and actually cared to, to listen to hear where we were from or our names or, you know, whatever. Wait, and, you, you uh, had one do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, and, you know, we were always curious as to why, you know, why did you join, you know, um, was it because of something going on at home, and, and I, this is by no way a professional uh, poll, but many of the things that I have seen was that a good majority of people joined the military to get away from home not just to get out on their own, but because home was dysfunctional and broken, and this was a family that they knew they could trust. Mm -hmm. uh, there were those that were picked on in school and felt that this was a way out to become a warrior, if you will, somebody that's not going to be bullied. There were some because it was their patriotic duty, uh, and that's that's the naive, idiotic part that I fell into. And there were some that uh, only joined just to get the uh, education benefits. And for yeah. whatever reason, you know, that people join, um, that's between you and, and your ever-truthful recruiter. Um, but, you know, Wait, you have to find They're purpose. out there, too? <laughs> no. Actually, I, I've said this before, but no. Staff Sergeant Jeffrey Burnt, back in 1997, 96, actually, you know, I don't, I'm sure he's long since retired now, but uh, very great guy and uh, lovely family and actually told me the honest to God truth. Unbelievable. So anytime somebody says something like that, I throw his name out there that just so that he was the unicorn. And to top it all off, he was, he was from uh, security police slash military police uh, background. So kind of crazy. There you go. Um, but, you know, it's important that whenever you whatever reason you join, whether it be the military, a fire department, a ambulance service, or law enforcement, you have to make sure, number one, that you stay true to that. Um, because, and this is just my opinion, is that uh, when you, I'm, I'm going to just kind of elaborate on my background. So veteran, fine, I did it for patriotic duty. Um, I didn't think my family was broken <laughs> and dysfunctional until I got older. Then I realized everybody's is dysfunctional <laughs> on some level. Uh, and, you know, um, I ended up started my, started my career as a corrections officer uh, because I thought I could help those behind bars. And uh, it, it was a noble career, a noble job. I never intended for me to become a road patrol officer. Uh, it was never a stepping stone for me. I just happened to uh, try and do my best wherever I'm located. <clears throat> and at some point, 
um, shortly after I found out I was getting divorced, I decided, you know what, this is what I want to do. And again, it, it came down to, I want to help people. You know, before when I started as a corrections officer, I wanted to help inmates, um, wanted to help them be a witness to them to realize that life doesn't have to be the way they see it. Because many times we find that these are just generationals, you know, the, you know, I can think of one time in particular where um, a grandfather, a father and a son were all in the holding cell together. And, uh, you know, that says a lot. It's like, what the heck is wrong with that family that, you know, all three of them are in here. And I believe it was on the holidays. Um, they know. Exactly. You know, it's what they embrace. It's what they know. Well, after a full career in the military, what I do know is helping people. And, um, you know, I've started a few endeavors. Uh, I started first with the SISM team. And, and the first responder support team helping my own, helping my brothers and sisters. Then through our connections, you and I hooked up, and now we're helping our brothers and sisters in a different realm. Yep. And to help me cope with the holidays, um, my wife always, she's far better at this than Usually I am. She always, uh, yes, I will give her full props for that. Um, she usually does something. Um, kind of in a memorial of one of her past family members, um, you know, whether it's a charitable donation to a family to help kids get through college, or I, I think this year she helped pay a, uh, an electric bill or whatever. I don't know how she comes across these things, but she does. And this year, that's, that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, I'm reaching out to some families that uh, this COVID has hit hard, whether they have had it, and and we're off work or we're off work because of covid sanctions and then they go back to work and now they have it so they're you know they're mm -hmm. off work again uh some of these families have been going you know a month two months without paychecks um and if there's any kind of work in between there they don't qualify for assistance so you know i am i am putting together some meal boxes for some families um single parents with their kids so that they can have Christmas meals. And I mentioned that before because uh, when I was a child, talking about how broken my family was, uh, my stepfather was an alcoholic um, for a good number of years. He never ate any food. It was, it, he couldn't tolerate just the stomach, um, real food. He just drank. And so um, this local pastor of the church that my mom dragged me to, <laughs> that I didn't realize would be a inf heavy influence in my life later as an adult. Um, the pastor there was also on the same fire department and ambulance service that I'm currently on. And he delivered a box of food for, uh, for us to have uh, Christmas dinner. And I didn't know that we wouldn't have had it had he not dropped it off. So I'm kind of repeating that cycle. I think we talked about this last show. I'm repeating that cycle. Go ahead, Jared. I see you're looking question. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, we, we titled the episode Coping with uh, PTSD and PTSI. So, I mean, to kind of wrap that into uh, our title, I mean, is this kind of a way of you coping with, I mean, uh, a PTSI that you didn't even know that you had? I mean, growing up, getting the food donation box as a kid, you didn't even know about this, and you've talked about it before. Uh, could this kind of pay it forward be a type of coping mechanism? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Um, it, it truly can. 
Um, and like I said, it's, it's finding that purpose, you know, is how can I help somebody? Sometimes you have to think out of the box. Um, no pun intended on that, but uh, you have to think outside of the box of what can you do. Um, specifically, you know, there are, there are things that when I feel the holiday setting in, which is shortly after Thanksgiving, um, where I have to sit down and like, I force myself to listen to Christmas music. And when you force yourself to do it, you can't help but get into a kind of a good mood after listening to it. Um, but, you know, there, there are things that I have to do. You know, I have to force myself to, find, to do a random act of kindness. Um, and when I say you force yourself to do it, because like today, um, perfect example, <clears throat> my wife went to church. I did mine earlier in the morning. And um, we're two different denominations. That's a whole other topic for another day. But uh, I knew that if I didn't get up and go do something, my butt was going to stay in that couch the rest of the day oh, yeah. until 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. You know? And I knew that that's not where I wanted to be. That's not what I wanted to do. And you know, I could have went to the gun range with my son and, and uh, shot his new gun for him. <laughs> and you know, I could have. I could have done this and I could have done that. And instead I asked him, you know, do you want to go to the gym instead? And we did. We went to the gym for about an hour and a half. We had a, a great workout together. And that was something that I had to force myself to do. And even with the acts of kindness, you find yourself, it's just like working out. The first day, the first act of kindness really kind of sucks. You got to take some like emphasis. You, you have to do this. Right. Um, and then, as the, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Um, now, I was not able to attend the Reese Across America um, yesterday, and I felt like crap for it. That's the first one I've missed in several years. And, um, you know, that's a random act of kindness that I consider to be um, close to my heart. Mm-hmm. But I encourage all of you, you know, when we say we want to help people, um, that's a random way to do it, whether it's, buying a gift card, um, a fuel card or something, you know, something as simple as, you know, a card from Speedway and just giving it to somebody. Um, I had someone do that to me recently and, you know, it turned a really kind of crappy day into like, you know what, I don't even know this guy. You know, I tried refusing the, the gift card and, you know, he just wouldn't do it all because I had a thin blue line license plate on the front of my truck. Um, so he knew I was an officer and it just, you know, it, it becomes easier the more you do it. And that's, that's yeah. one of the ways I cope with the holidays. But you, you mentioned it there really well as you had to force yourself. Um, if we don't start out forcing ourselves with these coping mechanisms, especially for <clears throat> the, the, the holiday blues, the holiday demons, the whatever you want to call them. Um, if you don't force yourself you're not going to. Um, and that's the, the big thing there. And we've got one from, I see Bob Sturza made a comment. Uh, I know, I know him. He, uh, I don't know if he'd say he knows me, but, uh, <laughs> he did say, uh, so, I mean, he's admitting it, something. Yeah. <laughs> um, he says, what would you say to the frontline staff at the hospitals fighting COVID? And, um, yeah, it's Wow. I mean, that is such a tough one because you're seeing the families drop off at the door and can't right. come in. Um, 
you're you're dealing with people who are coming in and scared out of their mind because they don't know if they're coming in forever for a little bit i mean covid hits people in so many different ways um right just as a little example of how it hits is my sister got covid down in north carolina was over it in, in i think a week and a half my brother-in-law got it and he's still on oxygen and you're talking we're six seven weeks out on him right now and then some i think my nephew got it and he was done in in a week so i mean they come in with these serious symptoms and they don't know what they're gonna do and i'm sure you know he's dealt with uh all sorts of the spectrum with it but um i think i'm kind of waiting for uh, uh john to to jump in here because your wife is in that fight as well i mean that's pretty close to home yes. for you um it is something that we i, I we don't. How do, I don't want to say we're afraid. I of gave it. you enough time to. We take our precautions. Think of it. Come on. I know. I know. <laughs> um, what are we talking about? No, just kidding. Uh, you know, we take our precautions. Um, she very much is on the front line. Uh, she she specifically deals with oncology, um, but since the hospitals are so full, she is getting COVID patients. Um, she's had COVID patients for several months now. Uh, the hospital did have to open up a new wing. Um, their numbers are right, you know, right full. And, you know. And, the, and when we're talking hospital, I mean, she's in a, a smaller city hospital. She's not in, like, Troy Beaumont right, right. or anything like that. Right? It, a um, local uh, tri-city yeah. hospital. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're full. And the only thing that we can do i guess is to take our precautions you know just like they say you know at work she wears the full garb and you know washes her hand and and in fact i had to end up buying her uh early christmas present of one of those uh you know medical grade rubber wedding rings because uh the amount of alcohol that they're going through on their hands um her hands are just breaking out and and can't really take the wear of her real red wedding ring um you know, and, and quite honestly, uh, it is tiring because we are from a small enough or, a, a, you know, an area that uh, she is seeing the patients that she knows on the outside. Yeah. Um, she sees some that are making it, some that are not, um, you know, and, and I've always, you know, I've I, it seems quite a few of my loved ones are going into the medical field or are in the medical field. I have a niece of mine that works in a uh, old folks home and uh, my heart goes out to them because that's a tough enough job already that you only do that job because you have compassion for people. It certainly isn't because of the pay and the fact that you love extended overtime. It's because you have compassion for the people in there. And for many of them, they are the only family um, that they will see. Uh, Christy is a friend of mine. She owns her own um, old folks home, uh, two of them, I believe. And they do events because they're not able to see their family. So I can't imagine the burden on our healthcare workers um, to not only be something to someone in the hospital that needs it because they may not have support system 
um, but to also be still be mom or dad at home. And, uh, you know, it's, it's during this time that, you know, they've definitely earned my respect as just that a frontline worker. Um, many times oh, we don't give them the respect they deserve, but during a pandemic, it is, and it is amazing to see them get up and go to their job every day. And, and even my correction officer friends, you know, they, uh, um, we have a number of inmates in our jail, jail now that are COVID positive and, you know, you work closely with these inmates, you know, you take what precautions you can, but ultimately you're going back home to your family every night. And so anyone that's in a closed facility with, with COVID positive patients, uh, my hat goes off to you and, and know that uh, the patients, uh, I'm, I'm certain, uh, respect that and appreciate that as well as their families. And I can't imagine the stress that those families are going through these holidays without their loved ones being home, but yet not even being able to see them. And, and while you're saying all that, I'm just thinking of the stress of, you know, not that the hospital workers have a set schedule, like they know what they're going to deal with today. Uh, right. But even more so now, you know, they don't know if somebody's going to turn worse if they're, um, I mean, I've talked to some that they've said that, you know, they had to send the messages from the families to the final goodbyes because there was just nothing that they could do. And the stress from dealing with that all day and then coming home and having like a, a kind of a, a micro explosion of anger because we only have so much we can, we can hold with stress. Um, you know, just like imagine a bucket and you're just pouring water into it and that's your stress. Eventually, even if you're going a slow drip, it will get full and it's going to overflow and it overflows close to it. So that's going to be, um, where, yeah. And, uh, Bob Sturza just said, it's horrible to see the stress and anguish on the staff's faces. And you know that they're taking that home, not intentionally, mm -hmm. not because, you know, there is no cool down because when you go home, if you turn the news on, it's right there. Um, isn't it CNN that has the counter on constantly? <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. it's right. You, you know, if you turn that on, it's there. There's nothing you can do to get away from I mean, it. And they're even um, going home, realizing that they, that they've been exposed to it and could be yeah, exposing their right. family members as well. So and you know, you could get a test every day, uh, but the next day you could be, you know, hey, I've got a negative result. It takes like, what, four days now? And for some of them, mm -hmm. and um, it's, you know, so here you are stressing about it. Well, do I have it? Do I not have it? Do I stay at work? Do I, and, and do I stay home? Um, you know, I'm in a multi-generational home. My parents moved in with us. And, you know, I worry about it all the time. The only place I go right. is to work because if I bring it home, you know, there has that potential and sure. just having that stress. And it's like, you know, yeah, we're getting all the stress. So now what do we do with it? And the book I was reading, I want to get, John, I want to get your ideas on it. One of the skills they say, it's a, a trauma survivor skill is you know, a lot of times we have reactions. Um, I know I have reactions with my kids, with my family that I don't want to have. Um, but becoming 
more aware of your reactions. Um, and this book suggests writing it down. Uh, I know the the uh, journals don't always work for everybody, mm-hmm. but just to see and recognize, okay, your reaction, and this is going to lead to something later on before we're done, but your reaction is not the cause because your son, daughter, spouse, brother, sister, family, mom, dad, whoever, did that action that made you upset. You know, that that's not the thing that made you upset. That just happened to be that last drop in the bucket when it started overflowing. Right. Um, I want to get your take on it from the first responders uh, aspect. Well, yeah, it's 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 difficult. Um, you know, as first responders, it, it we talk about this. It can be one incident um, that causes the PTSI, or it could be the reoccurring incidences over the span of a career. When we don't, mm-hmm. when we're not, when we're not taught how to process the stressors um, and and the feelings, the thoughts, the emotions that come from a traumatic incident, and it may be traumatic only to you um, versus another person, but when it's a reoccurring trauma or a cumulative trauma, you have this trauma, and then you add, you know, this trauma, you know, and then you add this trauma, you know, and then you add this trauma. You know, one of the instructors I had, she would always bring a backpack to class. I was kind of waiting to see and how many things you had on your desk. <laughs> you don't want to see that. But, uh, um, you know, she would bring a backpack to class, and she would bring bricks. And she'd put a brick in there for each stressor that you may encounter. And at some point, you can't pick up that backpack unless you're infantry. Then you just pick it up yeah. and go. Um, but even that, you know, um, there's there's even a weight that that backpack can, can, can sustain or can hold. So at what point um, do you deal with it? Well, it's unfortunately usually at the breaking point. Um, we don't pay attention to it until it becomes too heavy or until we break. Exactly. So I think there's Actually, there are a lot of things, it. right? And, and you just, um, you know, I, you've got the. I, I, I go back to the question that you know I was asked in high school. I forget uh, which teacher it was, but um, they said, "What's heavier?" It's one of those trick questions. A ton of bricks or a ton of feathers? And so many people would be like, "Well, a ton of bricks is a lot heavier than than the feathers." No, it's just a bigger amount. A ton. Is still a ton, no matter what the the item is that you're weighing, and it doesn't matter. Um, sure, we can take a lot of stress. Um, we're built for it, um, but we're only built to handle this much. You know, once we start getting over our stress that we're we're working that we can handle, now you're starting to mess with certain things in our brain. Chemicals are changing. Amygdala's uh, reacting wrong. Um, you know, those that are better with the brain parts than I am. But, you know, they pretty much, I've always taught that your brain is like a fist. And, you know, the frontal cortex is getting messed up because, and that's where our filter's at. Because it's not allowing the stress to go somewhere. It's just holding there. And it doesn't matter how much stress you've endured, eventually it's going to be too much. Right. And, you know, those that say, well, I can leave work at work and home at home, I worry about them. And I worry about their families because I thought that for a while. 
I thought, yes, I, I can leave work at work. And when I come home, nope, it's done. That hat's off. And now I'm a dad. No, <laughs> I was blind to my own ignorance. And the it, it's and then we have the reactions of stress. And when when you get that reaction, that uh, secondary trauma to your family and you realize it, then we get guilt. We get shame. We get mad at ourselves. Right. Yeah. You know, we get more intense in our stress, not to them, but at ourselves. But we can't yell at ourselves. It doesn't have that same feeling. It doesn't have the chemicals aren't firing. Um, you know, we can go out to a shed, the garage, whatever, and yell that way. But, you know, we don't handle it well. And that's skill number two that I was looking at reading today was learn to accept your reactions, but accept them without judgment or anger. That is probably the hardest thing of these skills that I was reading today. Because as soon as we have that reaction, um, you know, my wife, she'll tell me, don't get mad. And, 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 you know, then I know, okay, I'm already mad about something. What, right. what is it? I know I'm not mad about this situation because she's telling me not to get mad. So it's not that big of a deal, but I made it into that deal. Mm-hmm. And then I get mad at myself and, and um, then it could lead to other things. And, and Bob's commenting again that they've lost staff yeah. that could just not do it. I mean, absolutely. Uh, uh, no doubt about that and yeah because you can't handle that much stress um i mean now right. that you're taking Donald's already to go 15 job. an hour what right. as a, you're already you know it's already a stressful job but then you throw on all of these extra things uh, i know for a fact my wife's hospital has also lost um many many nurses specifically in the emergency room and just real quick i'm just curious if bob uh, it sounds like he works yep, in the does. hospital or at least has close connections there. Uh, I'm just curious if his hospital um, has started to introduce therapists to their staff. That is something that uh, my wife's hospital has just started doing, realizing that many are just leaving. Uh, well, we've only been at this 10 ago. months, I guess, better late right. than ever. Yeah. Well, you know, in about three or four years ago, my wife's hospital had, I believe it was eight suicides mm. within a month. Mm. And and it took like literally an act of God for them to realize, huh, I wonder why, before they started looking into it. So I'm just curious. Yeah. I'm hoping that, you know, in a stressful situation like this, who's really battling, um, like we said, you know, some of these nurses – have the same thoughts and feelings that we do. They, but they're not, you know, they have more in depth. Allowed problems. to say anything. Correct. So you're seeing this virus affect someone in a way that, okay, they're just tired. That's how a friend of mine described it. She's like, I had mono basically. Yeah. I was just tired. Couldn't get off the couch. Yeah. Her and her daughters had it. Her <clears throat> and her husband lives with her and he never got it. I have, a, I have a coworker that him and his wife and one son have it and the other sons never had it. Yeah. Still, you know, and then you have some people that are dying from it, some that are on life support and come back healthy. You know, it's just, it's something that they're unfortunately having to and, learn on the fly. 
you know, and they're having to. One thing I realized, yeah, really. One thing I realized not not too long ago is they're having to, in all technicality, break their own oath. Everybody in the medical community has made an oath uh, to to service, to take care of, to not turn a patient away. And they said, we're forced to turn people away that if this was normal circumstances, they would be in the ICU right now. Right. But they at a hundred and forty percent capacity, I believe at one point, um, maybe Bob could correct me. He wrote on there that Covenant in Saginaw, where he works, had the most COVID patients in the state. Um, and maybe they were the one. But when you're at when you're at eighty percent capacity, to a staff that's already down. I mean, right. could your work? Uh, uh, we're not going to say the the name of where you work in law enforcement, but could they use a couple extra guys oh, for each shift? My gosh, let me tell you what. Yeah, it would be amazing. Um, and it's like they've got every medical field, every first responder field could use the help, but it's just not there. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, who in their right mind would would want to enter into that field? Is is what somebody's asked me? I think two, three weeks ago, was like, who in their right mind would want to go in the medical field right now? Right. Well, we're asking that ourselves in in law enforcement yeah. right now. Uh, right now, Delta, Delta College has the smallest law enforcement academy that they've ever had, eleven. And out of those eleven, two of them are already employees of a law enforcement agency and they're being sponsored. So really you only have nine students that have went through the criminal justice education and are going to, to be officers. Nine. So I could be in the top 10 if I joined. Right. (laughs) When I went there, they were constantly running by us. There's always a really large. Yes. You know, I, I believe we started with, 38 and we finished i think with 32 and and this this class started with 11. so well, at least you have a good chance to be in the top everywhere. 10 of your class is don't, right. isn't that right. always impressive right. sucks to be the 11th guy <laughs> right um, but you know you know it is ahead. tough I'm, I'm just, you know, it's it's tough for everybody. Uh, you know, we're we're five officers short on our roster. We have no employ, you know, people asking for applications. We have no um, bullpen, if you will, of applicants that we can say, hey, we have a position. Would you like it? You know, we were hoping to possibly bring some from the correction side over to the road patrol, and for various reasons, that has not worked. Um, you know, and, and an idea that I've been kicking around is, you know, h- how do you get people interested in law enforcement? You know, at some point, this Michigan is very stringent on, yes. on law enforcement officers. Yep. Um, it's one of the best in the nation, quite honestly. And when you are certified in the state of Michigan, you can almost go anywhere in the United States and they will recognize your credentials automatically. Um, with that being said, how many folks do you know that wanted to be law enforcement but never could for various reasons? You know, they maybe had an uh, inopportune pregnancy in their early life, uh, maybe had to take a job and, and couldn't go to college because here in the Michigan, we are required to have a college degree to become law enforcement. 
unless mm-hmm. you are a state trooper, pun, pun. Um, but, uh, you know, those are very th- tough things that you we're going to have to start thinking outside of the box to get people into here. Somebody that wants to be an officer, not, not somebody that, well, I did my four years or my two years and I'm going to be an officer. Somebody that truly, uh, you know, wants that opportunity to succeed. I think we're going to have to really look outside the box. And for those people, you know, we're going to have to teach them um, the same things that we wish we, we yeah. know now is how to process the stress and, and how important a support system is in your life. Um, Just don't get too far, you know, because when we talk outside about, of the box, we read them their Miranda rights and hand them an application. Right. <laughs> well, that's never mind. Right. Um, <laughs> there may be an, a large agency in the state of Michigan that uh, their leader is appointed, not elected, uh, that may be doing that. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, when we talk about how, when you were talking about earlier about how we respond to things, um, you know, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I've been known to stress eat. Uh, oh, I've yeah. been known to uh, yeah. maybe, maybe dabble in some drinks every now and then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those things can come up during the holidays, you know, because. That's uh, why skill five is just for you. I'm waiting for Bring it to me, buddy. We're running out of time. Bring it to me. Time, have to get yeah we're gonna have to get to the skills uh, um but yeah the uh learn to accept your your reactions without judgment and or anger i think is what probably the biggest one that i wanted to to talk about um because once you start learning how to respond and not getting and, and you know if my i saw my wife was on here earlier um if she's on here um she's definitely going to be commenting because I am one that gets mad at myself. I mean, I had a reaction today, fridge door open and I was getting some out and I turned like that and she was right there and I didn't know it was not the cupboard door. <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> um, for those of you that don't know, listen to the first podcast. <laughs> and she was right there and I, you know, the fist was up, the, and I got mad because this is right. my wife. Fourteen years, fourteen years. I've I've talked into staying with me. So, um, and you know, this is my supposed to be my teammate. And here I almost swung because you know she wasn't there when the door opened. It wasn't open long. She was there when it closed. She's and making sure you weren't drinking <laughs> out of the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> she should have been on either side of the door. <laughs> yeah, my wife is really impressed when she comes around the corner and I've got the orange juice like quarter cocked. <laughs> um, yeah, but, and I got mad at myself because this is somebody that I love. And, you know, so overcoming that obstacle is a skill that I know I work on daily. Um, the next one is uh, improve physical conditioning and relax muscle tension. If you don't get skill two, skill three is going to be hard because right. you're going to always be on edge. You're going to be worried about, well, what do I, how am I going to respond? If I'm going to walk through that door, there's been times I st- stood at a doorway because I thought maybe my son might be trying to jump out at me. He's at that age of eight oh. <laughs> that he, he loves scaring. Every so often we'll hear screams 
and then laughing and running and probably his sister whacking him on the head with mm -hmm. something because he likes to scare people. And I've stood at that thing because I'm like, I'm going to wait him out because I don't want to have that negative reaction because I know what it will do to me. Um, right. So you can't calm down. You know, skill four. In, oh, go ahead. Quick. I want to hit on that. Sorry. Yep. yep. Yeah. Anyway, I've talked about being married twice and I've got three older children and two younger ones. And, and one of the things as I started going to counseling um, for my PTSI and assessing my reactions and how things in life have affected me, I can tell you the exact time where one of my reactions caused my child to look at me in fear. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I, I can tell you that um, my father, my biological father left my mother um, after he had a reaction, a flashback from Vietnam. And, um, you know, I won't go into details, but it was something he could not live with mm. and he left and never came back for like another 15, 20 years. And, um, you know, to see your, your child, you know, something that you prayed for, something that you yearned for and longed for, you would give your life for to look at you. And you're still wondering why they're around, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but that disheartening feeling when they look at you in fear instead of that love, you know, your father, your dad, your daddy, you know, my, my 18 year old daughter still calls me daddy. You know, um, when she's having a bad day, she still calls me. She's, she would still climb on my lap. But you know what? I remember the first time my child looked at me in in fear, and that can ruin a man or woman. Yeah, that ruins a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got similar ones. I know we're we're our time's cutting low, but I've got similar stories as well that maybe we'll share later on. But it's just you you can't relax, and, and our body not relaxing leads to skill four is improvement of sleep. Um, anybody who knows a veteran or anyone who's tied to the veteran community, it doesn't take long before they can find somebody that's having sleep right. issues. Um, for those of you that know me, I'm one of them. Um, you know, and I'm positive. I get, I, I put money on that. You can find it in, first responders, you can find it at the hospitals, um, even cool. before COVID, mm -hmm. um, anybody that's on that, what we call the front line. Um, and the last one is learn how alcohol or drugs affect your reactions. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> we've, uh, I think, I don't think John was on for that one, but we did the, the one about how uh, substance use would affect, uh, or at least we touched on, I can't remember if you were on it or not, but you know, alcohol, just, you know, we go back to the, the brain analogy. The frontal lobe is our filter. It's our, you know, this is a bad idea part of our brain. And when we start taking substance use, um, and it doesn't matter, alcohol, cocaine, I mean, you can go off on the list. Right, cigarettes. Any of those. Echo, pornography, all of it. Once you're... you're um, once your addiction is, uh, I don't want to use the word settled, but once that limit is met, 
the frontal part of your brain shuts down. That's why you've got all these memes on Facebook that say, here, hold my beer, and it's somebody right. doing something stupid. Um, right. And, yeah, so learning how it, you know, and I'm not here to say alcohol is bad. I'm not here to say drugs are bad. I'm here to say uh, just learn how it affects you and get the help you need. Because if you're having to sit there and say, well, is this affecting what I'm doing? You know, chances are you probably need to start talking to somebody before something major comes up um Absolutely. now that's not to say that everybody that drinks is is drunk and and coping um no there's some people that can drink and it doesn't bother them at all and i think you've testified to that uh, uh in the uh in the past um but these are just some some skills that i was reading uh getting ready for tonight and yeah it's just the one thing that I can stress is a social support system. Yeah, you know, this is the time where we're supposed to be around family, and you know, due to whatever state you're in or country, um, you, you know, follow what they say, what they recommend. You know, we may not be with our family, so we're missing that social connection. So reach out, um, reach out to us, Warriors Hope. Um, I know we've mentioned others in the past that just aren't coming to mind. Um, there's an app called Objective Zero for veterans mainly. Reach out to people on there. Um, I'm one of the um, uh, counselors on that. And, you know, there's people on here on this app countrywide that will, re you know, sit there and talk. You know, I've talked to people for two or three hours at night. Um, it, it's our way of coping. But it's also a way that we could say, hey, you know, somebody's going to sleep tonight. You know, maybe they're not healed, but they're better than they were when they started, when they reached out. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Force yourself. I liked what you said, John, about today. You forced yourself to do something. And it's going to, you know, if you're in these, you know, Christmas blues, um, force yourself to go do something that requires time and effort. Um, yeah, which is even as simple as picking up the phone, right? Um, and you know, get out there and stay active. And it, because if you're not, the stress is just going to build, Correct. you're just you're just going to be thinking on that stress, be thinking on that those times, and that's going to create further issues and further stress down the line, yeah. Absolutely. You know, the support system is critical. Um, I always like to have an accountability partner. Um, you know, uh, I think you and I kind of hit that off. Yeah. You know, hey, what's going on? You're quiet. You all right? Yep, I'm good. And we can talk it out. Um, you know, people that start New Year's resolutions. Yes, Jared, I'm looking at the clock too. People that start New Year's resolutions, you know, that, hey, did you go to the gym today? You know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I just encourage everyone to reach out, um, force yourself to get through this and, uh, you know, have a good holiday. Enjoy your family and uh, heal yourself. But, Jared? <laughs> Wake up. I mean, I guess you guys kind of said it all, right? I mean, um, 
No, actually, uh, Dustin, if you could run down those five uh, key points yeah. again real quick, just so we've got a good wrap-up. Yep. Because I know we've, we've had a lot of great discussion on each one of them. So go ahead, please. Uh, again, uh, the book is Once a Warrior, Always a Warrior um, by a retired Colonel Hodge. Um, it's his life survival skills. And um, skill one, become more aware of your reactions by writing about them or in other ways that you're able to discuss them, talk to somebody about them. Um, learn to accept skill two. learn to accept your reactions without the judgment or fear. And the key is the judgment or fear because we can accept our reactions, but we'll always try to judge ourselves. Um, in skill three, improve physical conditioning, conditioning and relax muscle tension. Uh, skill four, improve sleep. Um, and that includes, I didn't mention, but that includes going to your doctor and saying, hey, I'm just having trouble. I need something just to get me back and, and see what they recommend. Um, skill five, learn how alcohol and drugs affects your reactions. Very good. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, I mean, this is all about coping, and I think those are great. That's a great step program to uh, to go through. Five, five is a pretty normal list for a lot of things to be able to go yeah. through and, and uh, I only have to organize. I count on one hand, right. so it works out great. I start getting confused if I have to go to a left hand. <laughs> uh, and, and remember, I mean, the, this show was started as a coping mechanism as well. Uh, and let's oh yeah let's hope yep. that, let's let's stay into our positive coping uh, yes um, and talk it out uh, so this is our last show for the year right yes yep. let's look at the yep. calendar nope. uh, yep. we want everybody who's listening we want us we want you to come back next year so yes so everybody have a good holiday uh, and and come back and listen to us again we've got a couple of guests on the line yeah. uh coming yep. up in the next few months that we're really excited about having we'll be a guest on another podcast that's uh um kind of helped us figure this out too so right uh, and uh, january 16th 16th calendars yep and uh, we'll put that uh we'll talk more about that later and yep. um at the next one and give the link and all that Yep. So I'm excited for what the new year is bringing and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe we can start doing these in person again. Right. Right. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry it's Christmas. Been fun. Merry Christmas. And we'll see you all again. Uh, our information is online. Come find us if you're having a hard time during these holidays. Yep. Thank you all for listening.